You're listening to the Direction for Life podcast. We pray this episode blesses you. We'd love to connect with you. Visit us at rdci.info or on Facebook at Right Direction Church International. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the RDCI. We hope you enjoy this broadcast. Amen. Remain standing as we read our foundation scriptures. I conclude this series today. I don't think I did four parts of a series in a long time, in a long time. But 1 John, the fourth chapter and verse 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That verse from the New Living Translation says, but you belong to God. Somebody shout, I belong to God. You belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Then Romans 8, 31 A parallel scripture to this says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So over the last several weeks, we gave you six reasons why we have the advantage, and the title of this series is called The Believer's Advantage, and I also themed it The Advantage Mentality. And we said that we should approach life and approach life's battles and dilemmas and trials and circumstances from a standpoint of a victory and a believer's advantage mentality. We gave you the reasons why we should have that. Number one, we said because Jesus has already stripped the devil of his power. Secondly, because we have faith and faith can propel you through anything. Thirdly, because we are believers. Faith is what we have. Believing is what we do with what we have. We are believers. Fourthly, we have hope. Hope is assurance, expectation, and confidence that things will get better. Five, because we have inside information by the Holy Spirit who gives us revelation and insight into things that other people may not have. And then six, we dealt with last week that we have angelic assistance or the ministry of angels who help us. So as I conclude this today... I want to talk about the fact that we have the advantage through the power of prayer. Through prayer and the favor of God. I got to wrap this up. I had one more, but we're going to close with it today. We have the advantage through prayer. And this prayer is one of the primary ways that we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. The scripture said that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means they're not natural or fleshy. But they are spiritual. And they are mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. You know, one of the things that happens sometimes is that we start thinking that the fights we're having and the opposition that we're having and the resistance that we're having is just on a natural plane. And when you only think that it's on a natural plane, you will try to use natural weapons to fight spiritual battles. You cannot fight spiritual battles with natural weapons. The Bible tells us, I believe it's around Acts, the 16th chapter, the Bible says that Paul, I believe Silas was with him, 
they had been going around and they had been preaching the word of God. And there was a young lady, the scripture says she was a damsel, means she was a young lady, a girl, probably a teenager. And as they would go around and preach, this girl kept saying, Listen to these men. These men are servants of the Most High God, sent to minister unto, unto, unto us the word of salvation. Imagine as I'm just preaching here, somebody keeps, keeps yelling out, listen to Bishop Bailey. He's sent from God to give us the, the, the word of salvation. And the Bible says she did that for many days. She did that for many days. And then finally, one day, Paul speaks to the Spirit and cast that spirit out of her. And then when he cast the spirit out, she had a spirit of divination, a familiar spirit, okay? See, some of y'all, you get deceived by psychics and by soothsayers because what they said was accurate. What this young lady was saying was accurate, but it was prompted, stimulated, and the impetus of it was a demonic spirit. And Paul rebuked the spirit. He didn't even deal with the girl. He rebuked the spirit. That's the point I'm making. See, sometimes we're dealing with people, and we need to deal with the spirit behind people. Okay? No, your child is not the devil. Your husband is not the devil. Your wife is not the devil. But the devil might try to use them. Yeah. And sometimes you have to take a, you have to take a thought over the spirit of division that's trying to come in my marriage over the spirit of rebellion that's trying to affect my child. And so one of the primary ways that we fight our battles is through the weapon of prayer. Look at somebody say, don't make me pray. Don't, don't make me pray. Don't make me pray. You'd be better for me to shoot you than pray. Don't make me pray. Yesterday we were coming back. We, we were, went to an overnight trip and came back through Charlotte, and I said to Pastor Marcy, you want to go by the outlet malls? Where? And as we pulled up, she said, this, this traffic, oh, my goodness. She said, never mind, never, never mind, we'll never get a parking here. I said, we will have a favorable parking space. I said, God, thank you for a favorable parking space. And I looked at her, I said, don't make me pray. And, and she, um, uh, uh, Mr. Sean, she almost went petty on me. But she held her peace like, I know she wants, she wants to say something about me praying. No, I want to make you pray. So we rolled around. I went down one way, went down another way, went the, and all of a sudden two parking spaces opened up in a very favorable place. Look, somebody say, don't make me pray. Don't make me pray. And that's the kind of confidence that we should have when we pray. We should have confidence when we pray. Okay, I, it irritates me to see believers pray with desperation rather than confidence. You can be a believer or a Christian, and be, oh God, please, Jesus. oh God, oh Jesus, please Lord, help you, you can tell about the stuff they say, please Lord, oh Jesus, I can't even get words together. You don't even know, oh God, please. That's not confidence in praying. That's desperation. And sometimes it's fear. Our prayers should be motivated by faith, not by fear. Because when I pray, this thing going to turn around. When I pray, the devil going to have to back up. Say it again. Don't make me pray. So prayer is one of the most effective and offensive 
It's most, one, of, one of the most effective offensive and defensive weapons of the believer. Through the weapon of prayer, we both counterattack and defend against the onslaughts of the devil. We counterattack and defend against the onslaughts of the devil. I'm getting, I'm, I'm going to send my, my, my media room into a frenzy there. They, they, they're about to send off an alarm, code blue. Code blue, Bishop using a scripture that wasn't in the notes. Oh, Lord Jesus. Okay. But I want you to see, because I've, I've been meditating on this scripture for a while. Uh, where was it here? Uh, in Acts, where prayer was made for Peter, where am I looking for Pastor Marshall? Acts, the 12th chapter, Acts 12, look, look at this scripture. I meditate on this often because I really think about it while many of us are sleeping and others of us are sometimes on the prayer call in the morning and some people would never get on the prayer call and some of y'all would never come to a prayer meeting. Uh, some of you would never come to corporate prayer because we don't really realize the power of prayer. So we, we take it for granted. We think it's just a religious exercise, okay? So, you know, y'all want to know when I, when I feel bad about, about how I pray? When we go to a restaurant, I don't mean no harm, y'all. Okay. And I look at our white families. Y'all ever see how they go in and pray? No, I'm serious, y'all. Y'all, you're going to watch next time. When you see a white family, at the, they go in, y'all. They be there about five minutes. Their whole hands, they be going in, and we like, Lord, thank you for the food. Amen. <laughs> what? You're going to notice. You all never notice. I told, I tell Pastor, I said, look, watch. Watch it. They can pray. I feel like we all need to go in. Everybody in the restaurant. See, y'all never notice. You're going you to notice now. You're going to, because we, we, we real quick, right? Bless this food. Good food, good meat. Let's eat. Okay. But there are some people who take prayer more seriously. So some of us, you know, we, we go through, you know, like the way I'm, I'm saying that to say, you know, the way we just pray blessed over, over our food, like, you know, it's just kind of a habit, something you were taught to do. But we're not, you're not really expecting, as the scripture says, that the food, even if it was not good, can be sanctified through the word and prayer. So y'all really need to go in when you eat when you eat chitlins. Before you eat them, you need to be fasting and praying. Lord, tomorrow we're gonna eat chitlins. Oh my Lord, 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 Lord. Mm -hmm. You need to go in and have a vigil before you eat chitlins. You don't just good food, good meat. Let's eat pig stomach. Okay. But many times we don't take prayer seriously. But look here in Acts 12. Acts 12, all that time, they are right now in the media room. Acts 12. <laughs> now about the time Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church, he was just irritating and messing with the church, Herod the king. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because it pleased the Jews, it wasn't so much that he had a problem. This was a political move. It wasn't that he had a problem with Christianity or even with the apostles 
but the Jewish people did, and he wanted, he wanted his, his popularity rating to go up. Y'all with me here? So when he killed James, the brother of John, his poll ratings, the popularity went up with the people. Verse 3 says, and because it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Oh, wow. If, if I, I, went up, I, got, a, I got, got to a 60% approval reading if I kill, by killing James. Well, Peter is the main apostle. He, he's even more known. If I kill him, maybe my, maybe my uh, popularity rating will go up to 80 or 90%. So he proceeded to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he apprehended him, so he said, go arrest him. He apprehended him. He put him in prison and delivered him to four uh, quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter or the Passover to bring him forth to the people. Peter was kept in prison. Read the next part of verse 5 with me. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church of God for him. Now I want you to see that. So an angel ended up coming and delivering Peter from prison. Why? Because prayer was made for Peter. And I'm catching this. The course of events, the natural course of events was stopped and changed because the church got together and prayed. He had already succeeded in, in killing James now, the next move, I'm going to kill Peter too. He already arrested him, but prayer was made for Peter, and the saints of God got together and started praying for Peter and counterattacked the plan of the enemy. Oh, come on now. Look, somebody say, don't make me pray. Don't make me pray. And we know what happened. They delivered Peter, the angel, angelic assistant, came and delivered him through the four quadrants of soldiers, and he didn't even realize what was happening. They just said, put your clothes on, get up quickly. And he goes through, through four sets of soldiers. And after, the, after he gets, gets out of the gate of the prison, then he perceives and realizes that was an angel of God that God sent to deliver me because people prayed. What would happen if people didn't pray? We really don't know. It's what our predecessor, the old folks in the church used to call when you're my age, you can't say old folks in the church anymore. I've been saying that when the old folks were my age. The old folks' church used to say, he kept me from dangers seen and oh. See, it's those unseen ones that we're not always conscious about. The, the unseen ones. The things that happen, you know, I, I, when, when, I was, when I was a kid, I used to watch, I don't know, it was Bugs Bunny, one of those cartoons, I used to watch cartoons, and somebody would be walking around like sleepwalking in the cartoon, you know, and then see where it was going. You're, you're, in your mem and then they would have, like, ledges, or they would have the, the constructions, and, and he would just walk on one and walk on the other and look like he would have fallen. He didn't realize what was happening, but just at the right time, you know, something kept him from falling. And he didn't even realize what was happening. How many times you've been spared and you didn't realize you were spared? How many times would the enemy have killed you? But you got a church that you're connected with here who is praying for you every morning. Every, y'all realize this church has some type of corporate prayer going on in this church seven days a week that we are covering you and covering your children, covering you on the college campus when y'all dropping like it's hot. 
covering you when you're smoking stuff you shouldn't be smoking. Drinking stuff you shouldn't be drinking. You know, Pastor Marsha, uh, Pastor Marsha has a very sensitive nose. Very sensitive nose. And so, uh, I don't smell weed. I don't know what I'm supposed to be smelling. Okay. But we be walking around, Pastor Marsha, you smell that weed? I'm like, no, I don't smell the weed. She said, I don't know how you don't smell it. I'm like, I don't know what it's supposed to smell like. But some of y'all know. And y'all be saying something. I'm telling you, this weed different today. It ain't like the old weed. Come on, wave your hand if y'all be saying that. This, this stuff dangerous. Our old weed didn't smell like that. You can smell this stuff ain't good. But thank God, prayer keeping you and covering you. Through the weapon of prayer, we counterattack and defend against the onslaughts of the devil. Luke, in Luke 22, 31 and 32, Peter, Jesus tells Peter, he says, Satan has asked for you. Satan desires to sift you as wheat. Satan has asked for you to sift you. That's in Luke 22, 31 and 32, and it is in the notes. He says, Satan has asked for you. Satan desires to sift you as wheat. But Jesus says, it can't happen. Know why? Because I prayed for you. Come on, put up verse 32. Okay. He said, but I have prayed for you. <laughs> Satan wants to do one thing with you, but Jesus said, it can't happen because I prayed for you. Oh, my God. So, listen, I, so, so, some, some, of you, so, some of you young people here who got real praying parents, I know they get on your nerves. I know they're telling you what you can't do and why you can't go here. And you, can't. you need to thank God you got praying parents. Some of you, the high, the high won't even get you high because they're praying for you. You go out to party, have a good time, you can't even have a good time. Somebody messing up your good time because somebody prayed for you. Somebody told us how to pray, that we, we pray to God, jump in your dreams. <laughs> Scare the heaven out of you in your dreams. Okay? But prayer can stay the hand of the enemy. Paul says in Ephesians 6 and 18, he says... I want you to use the weapon of prayer. Right after he talked about the weapons of our warfare, he talked about the sword of the spirit, he talked about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, okay, uh, our feet shall the preparation of the gospel of peace, and then he, he adds this one as the final one, Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer. Everybody say all prayer. That means it's different types of prayer. Praying with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and through prayer, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So when he lists the weapons of our warfare, he lists our armor, lists our armor he says also prayer is one of the weapons and one of our armors. So prayer is the way we get God involved in our personal affairs. Let me say that again. Prayer is the way we get God involved in our personal affairs. There are some things it's just going to follow the course of nature or the natural course or the spiritual course of events unless you pray. 
unless you ask God to do something. See, that's why a lot of people, I just don't understand why the Lord will allow a lot. I mean, a lot of that stuff we say in the Lord will lie, we're not praying against. We're not opening by our mouths. We're just expecting God. But the Bible said the heavens are the Lord, but the earth he's given to the children of men. And when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, this is how you need to pray. He said, I want you to pray that thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So God got heaven under control. He said, but if you want heaven to show up on earth, you got to pray. Are y'all with me here? So certain things are not going to happen if we, if we don't pray. We quote it all the time, but let's, 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 let's focus on two words from 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then... I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. The two words I want you to see in 2 Chronicles 7, 14 is if and then. Most of us know if and then means it's conditional. God said there are certain things that I can only move from and intervene in heaven and even forgive and even heal your land, but it can only happen if you pray. And so what is not happening because we're not praying about it? Prayer is the advantage that believers have in warfare. Prayer is how we get God involved. It is how we solicit God's help in our situations. That scripture there from 2 Chronicles 20, I talk about it often, how three armies come against Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20. It says they were confederate, meaning they got together, coming against Judah, and Jehoshaphat feared. Second Chronicles 23. That means he was scared. Okay? Y'all know believers sometimes don't like to acknowledge that we can get scared. Okay? So we don't like to acknowledge that we can be fear. This fear is not a holy reverential. He was scared. He's about to be jumped. He was scared, and Jehoshaphat feared, so he set himself to seek the Lord. I got to get myself together and go in the presence of God, and he called a fast throughout all Judah, just like we're going to be fasting next month. Look, Janae, say, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Some of y'all, some of y'all got to forewarn you, you know, because somebody come telling you on, Jan, on January 1st, you know, tomorrow start to fast. What fast? Anybody said nobody no fast? So, we, so, so you can have the right attitude. We try and get your attitude and your appetite ready. So some of y'all, you need to store up like squirrels. He called the fast. He, he called Judah together to ask help from the Lord. To do what? To ask help. How do we ask help from the Lord? But through prayer. To ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Now, Judah's God's people. This is, this, this is God's people. This is the worshiping and worshipful nation. And yet, if they won't win the battle, Jehoshaphat, no, we have to ask God to help us. Hallelujah. And so a lot of times we are just taking help for granted and we need to ask for help. I grew up in the church hearing a song, ask the Savior to help you. 
comfort, strengthen, and keep you. He is willing to aid you. Come on, y'all. Come on now, come on. I got some Somebody knows some hymns around here. Don't ever forget the hymns. You got to ask the Savior to help you. You got to ask. Look, somebody say, just ask. Just ask. You have to ask the Savior to help you. You, you, ever, you ever see somebody so full of pride and you're available to help them? And you're like, no, I got it. Oh, okay, well, you got it then. Look, and you won't. You, well, let me just stand there and watch you do this then. Since you're going to lift up this 300 pound all by yourself. So they set themselves to ask. Drop down to verse 12. And in the prayer, he says, 2 Chronicles 20 12, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? He said, We're your people. He said, They're not just coming against us, we represent you. Look what he says. For we have no power against this great multitude, traditional king said, uh, against this great army. Or the, we have no might against this, uh, against this uh, multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. Read the next part with me. But our eyes are upon you. When you don't know what to do, lift your eyes to the hills from which cometh your help, for all your help comes from the Lord, and ask him to help you. Don't be so full of pride, so dependent upon your degree, so dependent upon your experience, so, be, so dependent upon your connections that you don't ask God to help you. Lord, I need your help. God delights in us depending upon him. So that's why Hebrews 4.16 tells us that we should come boldly, boldly to the throne of grace, Throne of grace is to that place of prayer, coming before the Father. Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find what? Grace to help when? In time of need. Come on now. Come. If I would just ask God, he will have mercy and he'll give me grace in my time of need. So during your time of need, let God know you need him. It is nothing wrong with letting God know that you need him. Oh, come, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a series ne next year, next year, probably somewhere in the beginning of the year, about, I've been meditating about, uh, about uh, uh, interdependence versus independence. And I've been meditating and thinking about this because some of us come from families, perhaps like I did, where we had to make things happen for ourselves. Okay. I really, really, I'm reading this book, y'all. It's, it's probably a good thing that my mother ain't alive right now because after reading this book, I'll be like, you know, you was jacked up. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, really read, I'm reading this book called, uh, uh, called uh, Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. And it's talking about how children get messed up because parents weren't available for them, okay? So, okay, so I, I, some of y'all... Some of this just became part of my makeup, and I didn't realize it was dysfunction. So I used to get mad at Marcia, Pastor Marcia, because she would go upstairs and wake the kids up for school in the morning. What? What y'all wake them? They know they got out of school. They tw he's twelve. Now if he don't learn to wake himself up, when he gonna get up? Okay. She would go make him breakfast. What? They need to make their own breakfast. They need to know how to make breakfast. 
That was my dysfunction. I mean, I, thought, I was washing clothes from like eight, okay? Make my own breakfast, frying eggs, doing all kinds of stuff. And so you start thinking that's normal. It's not normal. You were doing what you had to do. Come on now. And if you didn't make it, now, either you're going to make your own food or not eat. So you learn how to do all kinds of stuff when you eat. <laughs> and nine and ten. But many times, that's because we didn't have parents who were there to help us. And, and so when you, grow up, when you grow up so independent without the parents to nurture you and help you and support you, you start thinking this is how it's supposed to be all the time. When you come up in families that were very dysfunctional and nobody helped anybody, every man for himself and God for us all, then you don't help anybody, you don't give anybody money, you don't assist anybody, you don't show up for anybody, and you become independent to a fault. And some of us, because we could, oh my God, because we couldn't depend on our natural parents and we couldn't depend on our natural siblings, we have got this independent attitude to a fault and we almost think, I don't need God. All my life I had that fight. Okay? All my life I had to learn to do this for myself and do that. And so God, you, you won't even let God help you. Independent to a fault. But the scripture says we got to come to him that we can obtain what we need and find grace to help in time of need. God delights in us needing him. If you love our podcast and the impartation you gain from it, we encourage you to become an iChurch member. As an iChurch member, you'll get access to exclusive digital content as well as an online community and various small group sessions. To find out more, visit rdci.info forward slash iChurch. Connect with us for digital impartation weekly. Join Bishop Herbert and Dr. Marsha Bailey on Clubhouse for marriage, faith, and family inside Kingdom Business Network on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash rdcitv. We stream live services on Sundays at 7.30 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as Wednesday at 12 noon and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ladies, join us for Manifest on Fridays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time.